What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. We are one day closer to the return of Mississippi State Diamond Dog Baseball. will be in action Thursday night at College Station. I will be there to uh, bring you full coverage over on jeanspage.com. I believe Tyler Horka is going. And so for the first time in a while, I'll actually have somebody on the road uh, alongside with me from the Mississippi State beat. It has been a, uh, a remarkable season. It really has been. A lot of big things happening. We'll preview this weekend series. We've got some other things going on, some other recruiting news in multiple sports. We'll get into some of that and uh, just kind of ha- have a, a good visit together today. I want to thank our fine sponsor, uh, Campus Bookmart, Stan Ray, Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, the whole crew there. You go in, they'll treat you like family because you are family. They're, they're fired up to serve you there at Campus Bookmart, and they always have the latest stuff. If you want to go get those vintage vault shirts, the new one is the Swinging Bully, and uh, it's only available for a limited time. So if you can't make it to town, we encourage you to go shop online. Go to campusbookmart.net, and by being a loyal Boneyard listener, guess what? We'll give you a promo code to save you some cash. That promo code is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that will save you shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. So let's uh, go ahead and kind of look ahead here at uh, Mississippi State. Over the last night, let's get into that first. Um, Mississippi State not playing a midweek game. However, there will be a midweek game on May the 14th. That's uh, it's important. That is a new game. And so, and, and, and interestingly enough, and I think it's important, the, the first people to hear about this were Boneyard listeners and jeanspage.com subscribers. That's it. Uh, I had it first. It's as simple as that. And so, been waiting for some official confirmation for some time, and uh, we finally got that on yesterday. So, Mississippi State will play May the 14th. That is a Tuesday at Duty Noble Field. So, that gives you a little time to prepare. It is a Tuesday night, and, and there's a couple things you need to know about that game, okay? 6.30 start free admission 
free admission, and everything is general admission. So it's going to be a first-come, first-served deal. So if you're a season ticket holder and you show up and somebody's in your seat, you need to understand uh, the normal rules don't apply. Because of the fact Mississippi State, you know, missed a game out of the Frisco Classic. We were unable to play the Sunday game due to frigid conditions. And so uh, Tech lost the game to Weather 2. And so we're getting together, having this game, May 14th, general admission, free admission, first come, first up. The Salvation Army is going to be here, and they're going to be accepting monetary donations uh, to support the victims of the tornadoes that uh, impacted Russian Louisiana and the Louisiana Tech campus. And so Come, bring a few bucks, put it in the bucket. We're going to play a baseball game, but we're going to do something really cool for the people in the community. And one of the things that I have learned living in Mississippi all these years, Mississippi folks are not afraid to be charitable. We don't mind helping other people. There's just a quiet dignity uh, with, with Mississippi folks, and we don't mind stepping up. And so this is a chance to help our neighbors. If you don't carry cash, you can write a check and make that payable to the Salvation Army. Bring it with you. Omaha Club, Rooftop, and Triple Crown Club spaces will all be open to those season ticket holders who have access to all that. But uh, everything else, pretty much general admission as expected. And so know that heading in. That is that has been added to the schedule. If you have a poster schedule, obviously you don't have that date. So it's May the 14th. But we talked about it for a while, So now, but now it's official. Mississippi State back up to the 56-game schedule. And, and listen, here's the deal. The margin to get into the top eight national seeds is so incredibly thin that every win you can muster, especially against a team. You know, Louisiana Tech, they dropped in the RPI over the weekend, I think, like 20-something spots. But uh, but be that as it may, uh, this is a team that is capable of making the NCAA tournament. Uh, they've had some big wins early in the year. So you add them, and so – this winning this game in many respects could be the resume builder needed to ensure that state stays right there in those projected top eight seeds. And I don't know if you saw, uh, that's pretty much where everybody has them. I read that uh, Teddy Cahill, Baseball America, has Mississippi State in his eight for Omaha right now and actually has uh, four SEC teams uh, listed Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Georgia, Mississippi State as uh, four teams he expects to make it to Omaha. Uh, but that's where Mississippi State is right now, expected to kind of be in that mix to make a run here. And so we want to be able to play the regional games and the super regional games right here at Duty Noble Field in front of the greatest fans in college baseball. Because here's what's going to happen. We're going to play those games at home, and we're going to win those games, and we're going to go to Omaha. It's as simple as that. And so making this addition to the schedule ensures that State has enough games, but also, too, gives you a little bit of an RPI boost. And and I think Tech is like 55 in RPI right now. At one time this year, they were in the top 20. They're, they've dropped now. But uh, th- that win, I think, would be important. Of course, we got to go win the baseball game, too. So that is a, a new addition. Again, May the 14th, general admission free. First come, first serve, all seats. Come and be a part of uh, of that ball game and bring a donation for the Salvation Army to help those impacted by the tornado uh, in Ruston, Louisiana. So looking around the league last night, a pretty limited schedule last night, and it was pretty much what you would expect. Uh, Georgia knocks off the Citadel 9 to nothing. Uh, happy to see those Bulldogs get back on uh, on the winning way. We need that RPI boost from them and really hope Georgia uh, can put it together down the stretch and uh, win some big games to help Mississippi State. Texas A&M, Mississippi State's competition this weekend, wins 15-5, to a 10-run rule affair. 
there and uh, played it just the seven innings. They decided to go ahead and shut it down. Uh, and so Grambling State takes on Arkansas. Arkansas wins that one handily, 17-3 to in North Little Rock. Vanderbilt takes care of Tennessee Tech, 21-10. to um, Interesting scores, to say the least. But uh, this, this kind of happens later in the year as you get into uh, midweek non-conference play, I guess, especially against you know opponents of lesser conferences, because what happens is those guys have to save pitchers for their weekend series, and they're somewhat depleted by this time of the year. People get a little arm-weary, and you just don't have the pitching. So you see some upsets earlier in the year. Uh, you don't see as many late. One big upset last night, Gonzaga takes down number three, Oregon State. I know Kendall Rogers says that midweek games don't matter. I disagree wholeheartedly. I think when you go before the NCAA selection committee, you're, you're, you're not going to want to have bad losses on your resume, no matter when you play them. It's so funny how that all works. You know, They may not impact the D1 baseball rankings, but they certainly will affect your NCAA postseason resume. There's no question about it. Uh, so it's, it is May 1st. A limited schedule again in the league tonight. Uh, Ole Miss will play Southern Miss. Uh, that that's a, a game I guess of note if you are a fan of college baseball instead of Mississippi. And the Missouri will host SEMO, uh, Southeast Missouri State. And those are the only two games of action. Mississippi State will be in College Station, Texas. They're leaving this afternoon. They will practice in College Station tonight and be ready to go uh, tomorrow. So take some BP, kind of get familiar with the lay of the land there uh, in College Station, and then uh, we'll get going. Uh, Chris Lamonis yesterday did not make any declarations about his pitching staff for this weekend. I'm beginning to kind of hear some rumblings out there that we may keep Ethan Small on Friday and JT again on Saturday, even though this is a Thursday, Friday, Saturday deal. There is a there is some discussion, from what I understand, that uh, you might throw somebody else Thursday. You might throw off on Thursday. That happens. So we'll see, and we'll we'll find out. I'm sure we'll find out tomorrow. You know, state's been pretty good about letting that information be known in in advance of the series. So maybe we find out today. But don't be surprised if we throw somebody different on Thursday. And and here's the deal too: you just got to find a way to go win the series. And so if you're throwing your ace against their number two and your number two against their three, you know that that might be the way to go. But the bottom line is this is that we've got to go down there and find a way to win a couple ball games. Uh, A&M ha- has been one of those up-and-down type teams this year, and uh, let's get into some of that and really, really kind of talk about that, especially in conference play. They've been really good at home. They have not been good on the road, but, uh, of course, they're going to be at home this weekend as we travel down. They're 11-9-1 and one in the conference uh, because of a tie against Missouri, 31-15-1 and one overall, 20-7-1 and seven and one at home. And quite frankly, you know, you could have gone either way in that Mizzou series. They uh, they won the Friday night game pretty big, and then you know ended up uh, losing Saturday and then tying on Sunday. But looking at their schedule here, they do win the Shriners Classic down there at Minute Maid Park earlier in the year. You remember State was down there uh, last year. Uh, it really kind of began to kind of turn some things around. And, but uh, you know, they knock off you know, number 18 Baylor, number 17 TCU, and they take care of Houston. And so a, a, a big weekend early. And then we get into SEC play, and they take uh, two of three at home against Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt will likely win the Southeastern Conference. That They've got the easier road. You know, we're going to stay in there and, and compete and fight. We just The path of resistance for us is much greater than it is for Vanderbilt. But, uh, you know, we'll see. 
you know, maybe, maybe Auburn and Alabama can figure some things out. I'm just not optimistic at this point. I think when State lost that series and got swept at Arkansas, it kind of removed most of the possibility of us winning an SEC championship. It's very, very difficult, especially the way this thing is set up with the East and West, because the West is always so competitive, and the East, is, is in most years, is not. And this year, the East is uh, really not very good. I mean, when you get outside, you know, you can argue Tennessee's got frontline pitching. Vanderbilt has got frontline pitching. They can hit it a little bit. Um, you know, Bleday, of course, you know, leads the country in home runs still, I think. But uh, outside of Vanderbilt, there's just not much this year. You know, South Carolina has really struggled. Kentucky has struggled. Uh, Mizzou has been up and down. Tennessee can't score. Georgia can't score. Uh, Florida's in, in kind of a transition year. And so if you're in the East, as Vanderbilt is, you get the benefit of playing a lot of the middle of the pack and bottom of the pack teams from Mississippi State's having to play everybody but Vanderbilt. And we don't get the benefit of playing Missouri and, and Kentucky. So that's kind of where we are. It's just the reality of things. But uh, they do take three at Kentucky. That was a pretty uh, big series win early on because here's the thing. Those wins over Kentucky, mean they count just as much as the wins over Vanderbilt or over Florida or over LSU. They all count the same. You don't get bonus points. A win's a win. They got three at Kentucky. Then, they, again, they had the one, one, and one series against Mizzou, and that was in College Station. Some interesting ball games too, in that deal. Uh, Mizzou wins the Saturday game 3-2, to two, and then the Sunday game is tied at 2-2. Two to two. And A&M is not a tremendous offensive team, and we'll get into some of that a little bit later in the show. Uh, they depend on their pitching. Uh, getting into the next weekend, they travel to LSU. They lose 2-1, to one, win 6-4, lose 9-3. Again, not a lot of runs scored in any of those ball games uh, on behalf of the Aggies. They, you know, they, they've pitched it pretty well at times, but they do lose 2-3 of three on the road in Baton Rouge, and there's no shame in that. We've been there before. They didn't. They didn't take two of three at home against Auburn. A four-nothing ball game. They lose a seven-nothing ball game and win a four-one game. Auburn kind of offensively challenged this year too, but they certainly pitch it pretty well. But uh, don't know what you can really take away from that series. And then last weekend, uh, they take two of three. They had the uh, the Sunday doubleheader. They do lose the one ball game three to two. But again, if you look at these numbers, they just offensively have not played exceptionally well. And that was two weekends ago because last weekend. I'm getting ahead of myself. Last weekend, the Aggies went to uh, to Swayze Field and got swept. And, uh, you know, it's again, they're not scoring a lot of runs. And that's one of the things that stands out to me is in conference play especially, they have really struggled to score runs. They lose last Thursday 5-4 to four in extra innings and really needed all nine innings, 11 innings, pardon me, uh, to put some runs up. They they. They take the lead there in the 11th and then give it up there late. And then they uh, they score three, and they get blown out in the Friday game, 13-3, to and then only score two runs on, on uh, Saturday. And so they are really struggling offensively. So last night, A&M tried to change it up a little bit. They played at Sam Houston State. And, of course, you've already heard the score. The ball game got away uh, from Sam Houston State pretty quickly. But uh, they changed their lineup a little bit. For the first time in his college career, Brandon Shoemake hit leadoff. He has primarily been their three-hole hitter. They move him to the leadoff spot. He goes four for four, kind of sparked the offense, kind of got them going. I don't know if he stays there this weekend. I would say probably so. They uh, watched Coach Childress' uh, postgame presser earlier. That's one of the things he talked about is they just felt like after the weekend they needed to kind of shake some things up. And here's the thing about Braden Shoemake. He is the only hitter in the Texas A&M order that is hitting over 300. 
he entered last night hitting 308, and he goes four for four, so that, that average will certainly be on the rise. And he also leads them in home runs and RBIs. Five home runs, 39 RBIs. They've only hit 30 home runs as a, as a team, and, and, you know, they've played a lot of these games at home. And so I don't know if it's the uh, the park has really become a pitcher's park or they're just a team that doesn't hit a lot of home runs and have a lot of power. Uh, but I do find that kind of interesting because historically A&M has been one of the better offensive teams in our conference. But so to kind of put that in comparison to Mississippi State, Mississippi State has hit 50 home runs as a team. And, and that, that's not a huge number, but when A&M's hit 30 and you've hit 50, uh, that's interesting. And as I mentioned, nobody's had more than five home runs for A&M. Well, Mississippi State's got a handful of guys. Jordan Westbrook's got six. Foskey's got 12. Skelton has nine. McNamee has six. Tanner Allen has six. And so a little more pop in the Bulldog lineup. And also, too, offensively, you look at the numbers Mississippi State's put up as batting average-wise. We mentioned Brennan Chumake, the only guy at A&M with the batting average above 300. Uh, at Mississippi State, Jake Mangum's 394. Jordan Westbrook, 345. Foskey's at 340. Dustin Skelton's 314. Elijah McNamee's 311. Despite a bad weekend with a bad foot, he's still hitting well over 300. Uh, 302 for Tanner Allen. And then you get a little deeper in the lineup and you begin to think, okay, Luke Hancock is at 350, Brad Cumbus 302, Josh Hatcher 302. Uh, and so State is easily the better offensive team. Where uh, A&M is going to kind of flip you around, they're going to throw some left-handers at you uh, to kind of keep uh, keep you off balance. But State, of course, has, uh, you know, you've, you've got a lot of right-handed hitters uh, in, in the lineup. And uh, that that's one of the things when you think about Jake Mangum and Rowdy Jordan, they give you the ability to kind of flip your lineup around and uh, Jake has become such a good hitter from the right-hand side. It just hasn't been the issue that it was years ago. He has really kind of polished his game. and just found a way to be a real threat on both sides of the play. But A&M's one of those teams, they, they really kind of, you know, their calling card is pitching and defense. And uh, if you look at the numbers this year, that that's really the case. They don't give you a whole lot. They don't score a whole lot. So they, kinda, they, they need to keep games reasonable. If you understand what I'm saying, that they, they can't afford to get into a, to a slugfest with you because they're just simply going to lose those games. And you know, the 15 runs scored, you know, last night I'm sure it's making them feel a little bit, you know, pretty good to go out there and have some success, especially after struggling, uh, you know, the last couple of weekends in SEC when it comes to scoring, especially last weekend. I think, I think a lot of people, especially after State, you know, really kind of got after Ole Miss on Tuesday. There were some people that thought, you know, A&M may go up there and win that series, and I even, you know, some. Some of the truest of the true maroon were saying, you know, it wouldn't be great if they swept them. And then, and then the, the reverse happens. You know, it's just like when you think, oh, Miss is dead in the water. They find a way to come back, and, and that's good coaching. It really is. But I think that series really says more about A&M than it does Ole Miss because I've always felt that Ole Miss is a pretty good team this year. I, I don't know that about A&M. I, I think A&M is so up and down and so inconsistent offensively that they're going to really struggle to win games when they face somebody that can really pitch it. And I think that's what they're going to see this weekend. I think you're going to see Mississippi State go out there and be able to swing the bats and be able to put the ball in play. And uh, I expect to go win the series. Now, I'm not, I never, ever predict a road sweep. I don't think that's going to happen in this case. But I think with the way that JT Ginn and Ethan Small have been pitching, that uh, you have an excellent chance to go out there and win this series. And how big would that be for Mississippi State's postseason resume? It would be a tremendous road series win for Mississippi State. Of course, you've already won at Georgia. I mean, pardon me, won at Florida and won at Tennessee. And so this would be another huge road win. 
and then you get the chance to go to Ole Miss next week and come back home for South Carolina. And so with just nine of these games left to play, and we've talked so much about 18 and 12, 18 and 12 in the conference gets you into the conversation for a top eight national seed. But there are going to be a lot of 18 and 12 teams. There are going to be a lot of those teams, not just in the SEC, but around the country. And the Pac-12, I think, will get three top eight national seeds unless something just you know crazy happens down the stretch. And so you're only talking maybe two two, three SEC top eight national seeds. And, you know, you know, we'll see how things shake out around the country. But um, I don't think we get four as of today. Now, we, that could change between now and, uh, you know, Hoover. But as of now, I think you can feel pretty good about three getting in. And so if we expect Vanderbilt to win the Southeastern Conference and we expect Arkansas with their schedule, and they listen, Arkansas still got some games they can lose too. Arkansas's road – uh, to Hoover uh, is not the easiest either. But I think Mississippi State is right there right right now as that third team. Yeah, I, With even records, you got to take Arkansas over Mississippi State because they won the head-to-head. But I think if you look at it right now, you could make the argument that State right, is, is the number three team in the Southeastern Conference based on where we are. And I believe if the tournament started today, Mississippi State would be a national seat, whether it be a seven or an eight, and it really doesn't matter. As long as we get to host a Super Regional here, it doesn't matter uh, who, what seed we are because at the end of the day, once we get to Omaha, it's, it's uh, all bets are off. And so I just really feel like this weekend helps Mississippi State stay in that conversation. If you lose this series, I think you still end up hosting, but you probably put yourself where you're, you're in a road Super Regional. And so we've got to find a way over these last nine SEC games to, to, to win six. I think if you win six, that makes you 19-11 overall in the Southeastern Conference. I think that puts you – I think that locks it up for you. I think that secures your spot as one of the top three teams uh, in the Southeastern Conference. And let's say you win those six and win these remaining two non-conference games. Well, you know, that, that puts you in a much different situation when you begin to look at your – you know, where, where things stand with you – just because of the fact when we talk all the time about you know these midweek games and that sort of stuff, uh, you know State has done a very good job of kind of building a non-conference resume and strength of schedule hadn't been what we had kind of hoped it to be. But when you begin to contact these things on and say, okay, you win six more conference games, uh, that gets you to 42, and then you win those two non-conference, that gets you to 44. Let's say you win a game in a tournament, that, you, you got a 45 win record there, guys. I mean, 45 wins. It's going to be difficult to keep Mississippi State out of the top eight. But it's about taking care of business. And uh, the best way to take care of business is obviously to go out there and take care of Texas A&M. And that's what's going to happen. We'll be on the road in the morning to kind of set that up for you. But winning cures everything, as my friend Gary says on his podcast. Winning cures everything. But uh, looking at the uh, the A&M schedule here, I mean the A&M numbers, pardon me, uh, we mentioned uh, Braden Shoemake. Uh, again, 308 average. Just, you know, he's, he's kind of been their guy. He's their leading run scorer. He's, he does everything for him. He he is their guy. And uh, if they move him and keep him at, uh, at the leadoff spot, you know, he'll be a problem. But, you know, at some point you got to get him out first, third, wherever. They uh, they flipped him and um, I guess uh, Zach Deloche maybe. Yeah, Zach, they, they flipped him and Zach Deloche. And now Delosh is hitting three hole, and so just kind of shaking things up. So it'll be interesting to see what the lineup looks like tomorrow, and of course we'll tweet that out and have it available to you guys. 
Uh, a couple of other guys in their order you need to be somewhat mindful of is uh, Bryce Blom is a guy that's got some power. Hadn't been a big RBI guy, but he's got five home runs for him and a couple triples. Uh, kind of an extra base guy, one of their leaders slugging-wise. He's also a big stolen base guy. 13 of 14 leads a team in both stolen bases and attempts. Uh, so eager to see uh, you know kind of what he brings to the table. And some of these guys, it feels like that uh, they've been there for a while, but uh, they're a team that uh, is, is somewhat in transition. You know, the, the, a couple of years ago when Mississippi State won the SEC, A&M had all those seniors, and seniors and uh, juniors are, are kind of what, what feeds you through. You don't have a lot of seniors in college baseball, and that particular year A&M had a ton of them. This year, really not so much. And uh, they can pitch it pretty well, but uh, they're a team that really, really, really needs – a little help offensively. And so if we get into one of these ball games where we get into the bullpen and we start putting, you know, four and five, six runs together, then we've got a chance to kind of get away from this thing and uh, win the series and come home feeling really good about where things stand with the two SEC series left. But uh, a few other guys just to kind of be mindful of when you when you begin to look through their order. Uh, Logan Foster is a guy that's really come on for them. Uh, eight doubles, a triple, four home run, 26 ribbies, uh, 15 walks. And he's also a guy – that uh, a little bit of a swing, free swinger there. You got him in 34 Ks, uh, the most of all the starters. So he is a guy that, that will look for JT Ginn and and, uh, and Ethan Small to kind of dial up there. But, um, you know, nothing else really kind of jumps out at you. There's not a lot of people in here you think, okay, outside of Shoemake, you need to kind of pitch around. Uh, but uh, you know, Shoemake is their guy. And so if we can find a way to kind of neutralize him and make some other guys beat us, I think we've got a really good opportunity to go down there and win the series. Pitching-wise, much different deal here. They've got some guys that can really pitch it. Now they've, again, they've struggled to score runs. So run support has not been a, uh, you know, been a real strong suit for them. Um, but it's you know they've got a couple of guys, but like everybody else, they're kind of figuring this third and fourth starter thing out. And, and it's one of those things. So as a dear friend of mine points out, because you follow Mississippi State, you're more acutely aware of the problems. You know, A and M feels good about uh, John Dixcake. I'm going to mispronounce the name, and I'm, I'm sorry, but it's uh, Docs Akis and A.C. Lacey. Boy, that's, that's good names there. But they're 5-2, they're 6-3 and and collectively, but uh, 1.18 ERA and 2.23 ERA. And uh, these guys get a little deeper into the ball games. They're efficient with pitches. They're a guy that's going to make you get out there and, and, and swing the bats. A.C. Lacey uh, with 100 K's this year, 100 K's against just 29 walks. And that's one of the things when you look at A&M pitching, they do not issue a lot of walks. You're going to have to kind of earn your way on. And that's what's, it's kind of an interesting dynamic because Mississippi State last weekend, very, very, very disciplined at the plate, kind of run some counts up, got deeper in the counts, earned some walks, and made guys kind of come to them. A&M is going to throw strikes. They're going to come at you and challenge you. Uh, and, and have you kind of hit their pitch. And so it'll be kind of that contrast in styles. It'll be interesting to see how that all kind of shakes out. It's because of the fact that uh, if State can get into this A&M bullpen, I, I think that will bode really well for the weekend because they, they do have a couple of really front-line uh, stud pitchers. And so if we can get through that, uh, I think you've got a, a real good opportunity here to uh, to kind of position yourselves for the stretch run because we've got to find a way, you know, I'm not ready to completely concede the SEC championship to Vanderbilt because there's still a lot of baseball left to be played. But when you look at the fact that you're, you know, you're a couple games back, you know, with uh, 
with nine with nine to play, there's just no margin for error. And State's got to find a way. If State could find a way to win these last three series, uh, then you're in the hunt. And uh, certainly, if you can win the last two and find a way to sweep South Carolina, uh, that that puts you right up there in contention. Because I just don't know. I just don't know how much help we're going to get from the rest of the league when it comes to Vanderbilt. I just I think Vanderbilt is kind of figuring some things out. They've got the pitching piece down, and they're really, really tough at home. Vanderbilt is very, very tough at home, which makes last year's Super Regional win that much more impressive is the fact that you know, Vanderbilt is just used to winning down there. So, you know, we'll see how things go, obviously. But I want to remind you guys, too, when you're in town, Bulldog Burger Company is the place you need to go break bread. It's where the cool kids go to eat. I'm there regularly. I love going in there. It is absolutely the Robertson family restaurant of choice. When we get an opportunity to go out and eat, and uh, we lead such busy lives, and so it's no, so nice to be able to kind of put all the other stuff aside for a while and go sit down together as a family and enjoy breaking bread there. It, it is absolutely one of the best midweek restaurants in town. You go in there, it's not a lot of hustle and bustle. You're going to get great service. You're going to get great food. You're going to get a great product, and everybody's going to be happy you came. But our company is a place you can enjoy an adult beverage got a full service bar there there's just so many great options to choose from and when you leave after that hearty meal that great restaurant quality hamburger you get that shake to go you know and when you ride that ride home with a smile partner bulldog burger company a place in starkville people come to meet m-e-a-t so let's get into a couple of other things it was a, a big recruiting day yesterday uh, for mississippi state big commitments and or signees in multiple sports uh, yesterday, we picked up a commitment from uh, defensive lineman Benjamin Key. And uh, he was noted, I guess, in his profile as Ben R. Key. I kind of like that better. I like the whole R. Key. And I think Brandon Walker makes a joke because his mom named Ann, Ann R. Key. Love it. So, uh, so Ben commits to Mississippi State. Big, big fan of Deke Adams, and uh, they have been after him for a little while. But I'll be honest with you, this commitment comes a little bit out of left field. I didn't think they would take another Juco guy right now. I thought we'd at least get into the camp uh, season and kind of figure some things out. But fresh off of spring camp, you've got a pretty good idea of what your depth chart looks like for next year and for the following year and kind of say, okay, this guy's not progressing perhaps at the rate that we had hoped. We've got a depth concern here. And so you go all in and get a guy to kind of avoid having to fight for him later. And so that kind of appears to be the case here. Ben uh, Ben Key had offers from uh, Arizona, Oregon State, San Jose State, and uh, a couple other places. But uh, but by and large, the SEC was kind of the the uh, the allure for him, the opportunity to come in and have it, to play at a uh, program that has routinely produced big time defensive linemen. He has NFL aspirations, like all college football players do. Wants to play against the best and sees a real opportunity at Mississippi State. Uh, so we're happy to have him. And uh, it had been a while since we've had a commitment. You know, we had a trio of commitments back in March, and then I guess it had been like five weeks until yesterday. Uh, and so we pick up that commitment. That's a big one. And, and I've been really impressed with kind of what Deke Adams is kind of putting together here. The, uh, the conversations that I've had with people about him, very impressive talking to high school coaches around the state. Many of them already know him. He has a relationship with them. And uh, they talk about not only what a great coach and recruiter he is, but what a great person he is. And that, that's kind of one of the common denominators that I have learned through all this is that, you know, the folks like Tony Hughes, 
Mark Hudspeth, people like that, you know, people that are very, you know, folksy and down home and can have a conversation with you and look in your eye and shake your hand, that sort of stuff. Those guys tend to do well on the recruiting trail because there is a genuine quality to them. And that's kind of what Deke Adams possesses. Deke is just one of those kind of people. It, when you see him, even when you first introduce yourself, you can tell he is genuinely glad to make your acquaintance. He, he's not one of these kind of people that always seems to be in a hurry, and, and I'm probably guilty of that sometimes too because I feel like I'm always running wide open and may not be as friendly as I should be. I, I try to be. But that's not a problem for Deke. He is just one of those people that is uh, very, very down-to-earth and um, has done a good job recruiting defensive linemen. And, uh, you know, Benjamin Key mentions Deke, and, and you can go read that article on Gene's page. Paul Jones did a great job uh, catching up with Ben to kind of detail out that commitment. And so that's your latest football commitment. When you begin to think about what's he going to do, well, he's 6'5", 290 pounds, um, you know, he could play weak side defensive end. He could probably slide inside. I think we'll kind of figure that out, uh, you know, when he gets here based on the team need. But, uh, you know, Jeff Simmons wasn't your prototypical college defensive tackle, and then he ends up being a first-round draft pick. Uh, I could see, you know, Key kind of playing that same role, not saying he has the same path or the same potential. I'm just saying that I could see a guy with his size and girth playing on the interior. And so we'll see how that plays out and state needs some stopgap guys there where those younger guys develop and that that's going to be a big concern heading into the year is depth of defensive tackle you've heard me say it more than once and we get into the season you'll be tweeting me saying hey you're right it's uh it's something we have to address and um again alan love this is not official yet alan love is a defensive tackle from louisville originally from birmingham by way of huffman high school I continue to hear that it's pretty much a done deal, that he's just trying to get through the spring semester, finish his finals there, and uh, be able to get cleared to transfer to Mississippi State. And uh, because there is a medical hardship issue there, I do expect him also to be a guy that uh, is able to get the waiver to be able to play um, immediately. And one of the things that I have learned about that, and there's so many people that that have a lot to say about waivers that don't know all the facts, uh, but in this situation... If the other school, let's say if Louisville doesn't oppose the waiver, you're pretty much there. And there's no reason they should. We don't, we're not going to face common opponents. You know, we're not going to play head-to-head. I mean, it's not like it's going to have trade secrets. And so there's really no good reason to keep him from being eligible to play because of the medical hardship situation with his mom's uh, health situation. I expect that to work out. Now, one of the things that I have, everybody has this angst about the the waiver process, and you guys are aware, you know, Tom Mars and I are, uh, are, are well acquainted. And, uh, you know, Tom has represented a lot of people in these cases, and uh, there have been some cases he has shared with me where people have applied for waivers, and they have actually filed the wrong waiver and ha- have been denied. And then what happens is then when the proper paperwork is filed and the proper argument is made, people get approved. But... The average fan doesn't know that. They just know that, oh, my goodness, NCAA is you know, it's so stupid. you know. And then, and then you have these um, other folks that bring up, well, this guy slept on a, a couch. Yeah, yeah. some of the same folks affiliated with that guy also fixed the ACT, so you can get out of my face with that nonsense. Uh, but all that being said, this waiver situation with Alan Love, I think, will be resolved, which would make him eligible to play for Mississippi State this year. And this is a guy that got power five snaps under his belt last year. Uh, a guy that Mississippi State recruited out of high school. And so, hopeful that works out. Uh, no official word just yet, but with finals finishing up this week, I think we'll know something on Alan Love uh, very, very soon. I expect to have some type of an announcement 
uh, at some time very, very, very soon. Uh, Yamaya Morris signs of Mississippi State. Now, that is a an addition out of uh, Cochise College in Arizona. She is a, a two-year player, obviously a junior college transfer. She is uh, going to head to Mississippi State, had several, several, several offers. Uh, North Carolina, Florida State, uh, Arizona State, Utah, Kansas State, many, many others, Pepperdine. She's actually dunked basketballs in games. How cool would that be at Humphrey Coliseum? If we if we ever saw a player dunk a women's player dunk a basketball, uh, I don't know if John Cohen and Jared Vanko can raise enough money to renovate the hump. That would be that would be required because we would lift the lid off that place if we saw a women's basketball player dunk. And uh, she's six six, and uh, you can definitely tell that Mississippi State's placing a premium, you know, on. Uh, on five players after success we've had with Tierra McCowan. You got Jessica Carter in, of course, Promise Taylor transfer is transfers in. Uh, she had off season surgery. We expect her to be full go uh, by the fall. But then you go out and you get a junior college player and um, that's big news. You know, it's it's used to be under the radar, you know, when we'd have a, a women's basketball signing, most people didn't even notice. But uh, we we announce Yamaya Morris is signing, and then everybody goes nuts saying, "Hey, tell us all about her." But you know she's six six, and and it's just it's a rare situation to think about the size that Mississippi State's going to have on the interior. Uh, with Johnny Harris coaching those those ladies, they're going to get better very very quickly. So I don't expect an, a a big drop off in that respect. You know, Tierra McCowan's a, a generational type player. But uh, we're not going to stop playing basketball just because she's in the WNBA. And so you go out, you recruit, and, uh, you know, Vic doesn't have these rebuilding years. Vic goes out and does what he has to do to win right now. And so if Vic Schaefer has decided that uh, Miss Morris can help us do that, then that makes perfect sense. So a new ladies basketball player to cheer for. That'll be, uh, that'll be exciting. It really will be. Eager to see this team in action. And that's one thing about Vic Schaefer and uh, the staff at Mississippi State. It's always so interesting. It's just when you think, okay, the run is over. Okay, they're gonna, they, now they'll have to drop back in the pack this year. They don't. He continues to find a way to win, and that's what great coaches do, regardless of personnel. Because, you know, listen, you need some transcendent players like Victoria Vivians. You need players like that to give you credibility on the recruiting trail. But then you have to produce on the court. It's not just, okay, we won a big recruiting battle. Once we had those players, what did we do with them? Well, Mississippi State, you know, went to, uh, you know, back-to-back national championship games and then makes it to a regional final this year. And uh, and so we, we didn't end the year the way we had hoped to, but uh, you always find a way. And so I think when you go out and you get players like Morris that are just different, you know, there's not – it's we talk about people having the skill set and that sort of stuff – Especially in the women's game, you're just not going to be able to find many players that are six six. And when you can go out and you can demonstrate to somebody, say, "Listen, this is what we did to Tierra McCowan. We took her in, and when she first got here, she couldn't play more than ten minutes a game. And then we made her a uh, the number three pick in the WNBA draft. That's big time. And uh, you beat Arizona State for in the end. Those were the final two. Uh, but you find a way to make all that happen. And so when, when you begin to, to look at what Vic has built here, I think you're going to be able to um, avoid the peaks and valleys. Because that, that was the Mississippi State model for many years in every sport, other than baseball, right? Is you, you, you build and build and build and build and build, and then you get a senior-laden team when you have some success, and maybe you 
you go to a bowl game or you go to Sweet 16 and then everybody graduates and you're right back down to the bottom. Well, that's one of the things that we've been able to do in many sports now is kind of have a sense of equilibrium. We don't have these highs and lows that uh, a rebuilding year now still means an NCAA tournament appearance and a win or two uh, and a bowl game in football. And so that's where I think Vic has kind of gotten us off the roller coaster. Uh, and so I'm excited to see this. I, I don't know, you know, what to expect from her from an offensive standpoint. I just know that 6-6 is very imposing, especially in the women's game. And so uh, excited about that signee. Mississippi State Baseball picked up a couple of commitments yesterday. Jackson Forrester out of East Mississippi Community College, uh, originally from Spanish Ford, Alabama. You know, he, he is a right-handed pitcher. He will come in. Uh, give you an opportunity. He was originally committed to Valdosta State, had some other offers, kind of played his way into some other options. And so now he'll be at Mississippi State. Excited to have him. And then um, Noah Fondren is an infielder out of Wallace State Community College in Alabama. Uh, Not a big hitting guy. Supposed to be a plus defender and a guy that can hit for average. And uh, probably when you begin to think about, okay, well, where will this guy fit? Okay. Let's assume Jordan Westbrook stays at short, and I don't know that that happens. Uh, and, and that's not being critical of Jordan. I think that he's a guy that can help you at other spots because you, you're going to turn the outfield over for the most part next year outside of Rowdy. And so I don't know, maybe if you don't put Westbrook in the outfield, Jordan's one of those guys athletic enough he can play wherever. Uh, but the second base piece is still a work in progress. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like you just not exactly sure how that's going to work out. Does Foscue stay at second next year? Does Foskey move back to third? Uh, you know, do we have Landon Jordan step up and take a spot? So this gives you some options. Going out and taking a community college guy like this, you bring him in, put him into the mix, and kind of see where things go. But the bottom line is, is you're always looking to get better. You're always looking to address those needs. And uh, while we've got a great thing going now, it's excited to see that the Mississippi State coaching staff is still working ahead and kind of addressing where we're going to be deficient next year. I don't expect it to be this big drop-off year. I think we're going to have a chance to be really good next year. Um, I don't know that we're going to be at the same level we are right now, but when you begin to think about the pieces that are going to return, with Rowdy as a junior, Westy as a junior, Jordan Foscue as a junior, you know that's that's going to be a big part of your order right there. Now, I fully expect, obviously, Jake Mangum and Elijah Magnum will be back. They're seniors. Uh, but, uh, you know, Tanner Allen will be back. You, you pretty much return your infield intact with the exception of whatever's happening at third base. And so you could kind of move some people around there to kind of make things happen. Maybe Fossey goes back and maybe Fondren's an issue, you know, a candidate at second or Landon Jordan or whatever. You have competition there. And then uh, you feel pretty good at catcher because I do. I expect Skelton to go on top ten rounds. And uh, I had some other – I shifted the other day and somebody says, oh, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, number one, there's only one catcher on the field. It's as simple as that. There's only one catcher on the field, and he is a plus defender, and uh, he has developed some power numbers. He's not the biggest guy. Uh, does a great job handling pitchers. All the pitchers absolutely love him. He's a guy that's got a high baseball IQ, and he's going to go early because he plays a premium position. He, I will be shocked if he doesn't go in the top ten rounds. And I've talked to some people in the cross-checking business, and they, they also believe that he's going to be a guy that's drafted in, in the top ten rounds because, number one, he is a junior, and, number two, he plays – a premium position. There's not a lot of draft-eligible catchers, but everybody's got to have a catcher. And there's certainly not a lot of draft-eligible catchers putting up the numbers he's putting up. And so when you begin to think about, okay, 
those guys are moving on, but we feel pretty good about where we sit with Hayden Jones and Luke Hancock. Those guys both have had some at-bats this year. They've been able to catch some, kind of get their, their feet wet, and we expect them to make the jump. There's always that big jump as a sophomore. And so when you begin to look at your infield, okay, you, you're going to return some regulars with the exception at third base spot, and you've kind of got to rebuild your outfield. But you're going to have a lot of people that have had SEC at-bats return and compete next year. So we're going to be a good baseball team. Uh, but it's good to see some things kind of getting addressed right now to ensure that we don't have a uh, you know a drop-off and we're having to play a lot of young guys. You go out, and that's one of the great things about junior college baseball is a lot of those guys – you know, because of the reps they get on a junior college level and because of the level of baseball they play, that they've got an opportunity uh, you know, to get the reps needed to come in and really compete. They're not going to see plus pitching at that level that you do in, in our league. But, uh, but that being said, it's always, I'm, always, I'm a much bigger proponent of junior college baseball players than, than, than basketball. And then football has been so hit or miss, you never really know what you're getting. But obviously a pretty big day. So when you see Chris Lamonis tweet out the graphic, you know, hey, we got a new dude or whatever, you know, it's kind of like Jim Moorhead ringing the bell. So if you follow Coach Lamontis and you weren't exactly sure what that means, when he says we got a new dude, uh, he's not just talking about the stadium. You know, that, that's that's a kind of an in- indicator on social media that we've got a new commitment uh, for baseball. And so there were some people yesterday, I think we're a little bit unaware of that. So we'll have full coverage. If you want to right now, you can go read for free. The Commitment Story with Benjamin Key from Paul Jones and then uh, Yamaya Morris from Robbie Falk. Those are available for free. And then later in the week, we hope to have uh, full reaction from uh, Jackson Forrester and uh, Noah Fondren about their commitments to Mississippi State baseball. And that's one of the reasons you should be following Gene's page. Come there and join the discussion and be a part of that. Be a VIP member. Uh, because when we get information, we're going to share it there first. We're going to share it there first. It's going to be some insider information, some rumors and things we hear, that sort of stuff, just like with the Louisiana Tech baseball game. This is a surprise to nobody that listens to this show or reads Gene's page because we, we just simply put it out there first. And um, that's what we're going to do so you guys are the most educated Mississippi State fans in the country. That's what we want. We want you guys to be the most knowledgeable. So whenever your coworkers go to the water cooler and they have something to say, you can correct them. You can be the expert in your circle of friends. And uh, so we encourage you to come and be a part of that. I want to remind you guys, too, you can go buy your Stark Villain gear. Please go to StarkVillains.com and go ahead and order that. It's summertime. You need some new short sleeve shirts anyway. Go order the shirts. Go do it today. StarkVillains.com. Go buy the, the shirts. Go do it. They're not just black and white. You can get maroon and white. You can get black and gold. Several options to choose from. Go do it. Ladies love that V-neck shirt. You can go do that, too. I, I know that's one thing my wife was excited about when we – introduce a new line is that you can get a v-neck you don't have to get this traditional mock neck shirt you can go get or whatever they call it but you know what i'm saying the traditional t-shirt look you can go get that in there you know uh, comfort colors different vendors to choose from but also to big note for you guys uh the final interview for stark villains the book has been transcribed and so basically next week everything will have been submitted uh to my agent and then the circle of editors and all that kind of stuff that goes through and then uh, we will do some rewrites and uh, kind of finish this thing up and so we're, we're rapidly approaching a release date for the book and we'll share that with you and uh, of course it will be available for uh, for pre-order uh, once it's uh, shipped off to the printer once they give me notification thumbs up on that uh, but I'm excited about this and I'll tell you I, inter- I interviewed Greg Carter about the four overtime Mississippi State men's basketball game in 1990 and kind of got his thoughts about that. And he shared some 
actually really funny stuff kind of before and after that game uh, about Mississippi State and Ole Miss basketball. You know, but it's, it's crazy. Uh now that now that everybody's kind of out of the game for the most part, you know what I'm saying? It's like uh, there there's the funny stories you can share, and uh, it's interesting talking to some of the players. There there's a healthy respect, especially when I talk to basketball players. There is such a respect because they all understand the grind. And so uh, you know, Greg talked at length about the game and talked about his respect for Gerald Glass and some people like that. And and uh, so. Uh, big moments and big victories for Mississippi State and rivalry against Ole Miss. We'll have that book available. I absolutely cannot wait for you guys to read it. it and there's this thing, I, I kind of go through a little bit of a morning uh, process. You know, it's like, uh, it's been, th- this project has been such a part of my life for so long now. It's like, uh, I'm almost scared to let it go. You know, because once I get done writing it, it's like, uh, you know, it's done. It's not like with Flim Flam, though. When I wrote Flim Flam, uh, Every day for about two weeks before it came out, I, I expected to, uh, you know, I, I was I was wanted to vomit every day because I was so worried that I got something wrong or that I had uh, didn't double check something, you know, and there was an issue. And and I knew because of the the sensitive nature of that book, if there was anything that was going to be incorrect, I was going to be bombarded with problems. But this book is much different, you know, because of the fact that it's more of a good news book uh, and really kind of a celebration of Mississippi State athletics and our success. Uh, over the years, and uh, it chronicles stories from eight decades. I'm very happy to say, I got interviews with people dating back to 1946, and uh, got got a, a chapter from that covers 1946, one for 1958, one for 1964, and three, uh, and so, and then, and then it goes all the way into 2018. And so, some big stories, and um, I'm almost ready to push this little baby out of the nest and let it fly. And so uh, it's it's emotional for me, it really, really is. But uh, it has been one of the joys of my life uh, to write this book and to interview so many great players and coaches and personalities and people affiliated with Mississippi State. And the one thing, and you've heard me say it before, the one thing, the constant thread, is just an undying love for Mississippi State. And uh, I think when you read this, that you're going to have such a sense of pride uh, when you see the way that these players and, and coaches, their love for, for this university and for all of you and how grateful they are for the opportunities they had at Mississippi State to be Bulldogs. And so we will share that with you, and uh, it'll be a very busy year, and uh, I'm excited to get out and shake hands and take pictures and kiss baby mamas and all that kind of stuff and and uh, spend time on the road uh, letting you guys, introducing you and kind of reintroducing you uh, to some great Mississippi State stories. And so when this whole process began, when I kind of let people know the, the kind of book I was writing, people said, hey, what kind of stories do you want? I just said good ones. Uh, they didn't have to be football. They didn't have to be baseball. I just wanted good stories. And there were a few of them that I that I was interested in or legends I had heard over the years. I wanted to confirm or deny and just kind of set the record straight about certain events that took place. And uh, I believe I've been able to do that. And so that'll be out very, very soon and uh, very excited to share that with you. Well, I'll be back on Friday. I will I will do my best, Barry and Ledger. I will do my best to remember to bring the headset on Thursday on the trip so I can uh, record a boneyard for you guys on Friday. Look forward to doing that and uh, kind of keep you up to date. And, again, I'll be in College Station, Texas, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, covering your Diamond Dogs and hopefully – uh, reporting on a winning series and uh, look forward to you guys following along. You can find me on all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. 
But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.